and welcome to Dialogue. This is State Senator Paul Lavota of the 11th Senatorial District in the great state of Missouri, the Show Me State. And I am glad to join you for Dialogue with Missouri State Senator Paul Lavota, where we talk about Missouri politics, we talk about Missouri government, and uh, some local issues. And it's great to do that. We are having a lot of fun today um, for two reasons. First of all, we have done this program when I was the House Minority Leader on AM radio. Um, then we moved to uh, a more updated type of media in podcasting. And now we're doing a video podcasting. Mm. And, um, you know, this is a, dialogue is an open conversation, right? Yeah, I think that's what the yeah. dictionary says. And so I don't know if anyone will see our test of our video podcasting. Um, Sam will. You can't. Well, I don't know if we'll see that we're t- as we're testing today. Oh, right. We'll, you know, we'll see how It'll it goes. It'll work out or not, yeah. But um, that's, that, that, I, I guess I bring it up whether you're going to hear, you're going to be able to see it or not. A level of excitement that is happening that is just <laughs> is great. The other great news is that our anchor, Chris Whiting, um, is not here today. That's our great news? Yeah, he's our, <laughs> he's our anchor in many ways. Um, he reads the news and... Um, but he, he uh, has some duties. He's the Independence Mayor Pro Tem, and I'm really excited to hear from him when it comes to the virtual handshake. I know you listened to the show last week where we talked about that, and uh, the Mayor Pro Tem had to step in for the Mayor of Independence. Yes. And uh, that, was, that was exciting. But I am very happy to have with us again uh, Courtney Cole. Courtney Cole is the Executive Director of the Missouri Democratic Party Senate Project. Welcome, Courtney. Thank you. Thank you for having me again. And you weren't here last week. I was not here last week, no. I am unable to field a full team, Uh-oh. evidently. Uh-oh. <laughs> I, need all, I need you here. I need Chris here. Um, well, you're not doing it alone. That is true. Yeah, I, yeah but it's, it's a little better dynamic when we're all together. I agree. All together. I miss Chris. Yeah, I do too. And I hope... Uh, I don't think it's great news that he's not here. I enjoy having him on the program. Huh. Oh, you know what? It's, you sound exactly like him last week. <laughs> That's funny. Well, I listened to the show. <laughs> you did. You're the one. I appreciate that. Yeah. So um, what we usually do is start off with the news. Um, so let's do that. Now the weekly news roundup brought to you by the good folks at Liberty Realty. Here's Chris Cornicle. Many overrides expected. You're supposed to say substituting for... Oh, excuse me. Yeah. Substituting for Mayor Pro Tem Chris Whiting. Yes. Councilman Whiting. Yes. Is me, Courtney Cole. Cole. Yes. All right. Many overrides expected in upcoming veto session. The General Assembly's annual veto session gets underway September 10th as lawmakers decide whether to override on some of the 33 bills and 160 budget line items Governor Jay Nixon rejected from the spring legislative session. That's right. (laughs) He uh, rejected all this because it was the summer veto, Courtney, as you remember. It was. And that's what this news report is talking about. Next week is the veto session. Now, I'll tell you a little bit. I know you started getting that story. But the summer veto continues. Actually, it ends next week. Yeah, right. Regular summer ended, I guess, Monday? I think so, yes. On Labor Day? Yes. And there's many different vetoes. I know you're going to read through them, but um, I can tell you where we are in the General Assembly. Please do. Every year, constitutionally, we have a veto session. starts at noon on a Wednesday in September and usually lasts two or three hours. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I got a memo by email saying, be prepared to stay there till Friday. Oh, really? So wow. the governor has vetoed 33 bills, over 100 line item vetoes in the budget. And uh, it's going to be quite a deal as the summer of vetoes move on. I see. Sounds like the governor had a lot of ink in his pen. He sure did. So go ahead with your story. I'm sorry. Well, with Republicans holding the necessary two-thirds supermajorities in the Senate and House of Representatives, (coughs) multiple overrides of the Democratic governor are anticipated. Top targets for potential veto overrides include 10 bills lawmakers passed on the last day of the legislative session that would provide special tax breaks for certain businesses. Nixon said the bills will cost the state $425 million a year in lost revenue, a funding reduction that wasn't accounted for in the fiscal year 2015 state operating budget lawmakers had passed a week earlier. The bills will also cost local governments another $351 million a year in lost revenue. So those bills, um, for those of you playing at home, are House Bill 1296, House Bill 1865, uh, Senate Bill... 584, Senate Bill 612, Senate Bill 662, Senate Bill 727, Senate Bill 829, and Senate Bill 860. Is that 10? 860. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I only had eight. Okay. I, I'm missing, a, missing couple, a couple. A couple of them. A lot of Senate bills. But, yeah, because that's where the majority of these these um, tax Started. things went through. Yeah. And... Um, you know what I'll do is after after we go through here, I'll let you, I'll give a summary of some of these. They Great. repeat. You know, you can have a, a House bill that has the same topic as the Senate bill, um, and pass in different ways. But those are the major ones. I wonder what other two ones that they keep referring to. Maybe I'll figure it out as I look through this list as we review these. But um, those are the major ones that we'll see happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that uh, are those ten bills that lawmakers passed in the last day. Interesting, and so it's interesting to me that they actually the let they meaning the legislators passed a budget, but then came back and made additional right. policy changes that would affect the budget <clears throat> that they had already voted right. on. And what do you think that that was a strategy, or do you think well, that, um, you know, it's not good budgeting, right? Clearly, uh, with that said, it happens quite a bit because you don't know what's going to pass and what is not going to pass. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the governor of any of any party, whoever has been that I've seen, has appropriated things in their request based on legislation that may or may not pass. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> that's not too strange of a thing. Um, where the real disagreement is, where we're going to spend a lot of time on, is not what they do, it's how much. Mm-hmm. So um, the governor says it costs $425 million in lost revenue that wasn't part of the budget. Um Right, that's a lot. Some say it's not that much. I see. And, uh, you know, I'm um, right there in the middle because I think some of them aren't any, of, aren't any money at all, and some are accurate with what the governor is saying. So I see. we're going to have to adjust where that money comes in. I think the Republican majority is going to say, no, it doesn't cost that much. We can afford to do it. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to have that discussion. 
Interesting. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, just I know that there are multiple municipalities, especially even in our area, that are concerned now about not only the budget that they've already passed and the cuts that they're having to make adjustments for there, but then anything that is additional, if they do override the veto, that they're then going to have to you know, account mm-hmm. for because there are some people who actually look at their budget prior and that's make right. their decisions rather than waiting later. But that, anyway, that's I'll right. just uh, – Well, <laughs> and again, you know, um, many municipalities have had that concern, and I think they're valid to have that concern. And the question is what is the real yes. number? Like, and um, I wish I could tell you I knew exactly what the real number is. Mm-hmm. Um um, the fact that it says this bill could cost local governments $350 million a year, I don't think that's accurate. I okay. don't think it's that much. You know, there's a one of the one of the topics is a cut on energy mm-hmm. that I know for a fact exempts local taxes. Okay. And that's actually being counted in some of those. So it gets very technical, as you yeah. can imagine. Well, it needs to, though. Yes. Um, and what I hope is that next week when we go through here, we look at what the real impact is. Yes, good. Um, and we're not... You know the governor saying, "Well, this it's this high," and, right. the, and the Republicans saying, "No, it's for, it's hardly for anything. political reasons." For and political reasons, it, we need to know what it is. Yeah, yeah. And again, um, I don't know if you're going to get into this, but the the biggest issue is that we passed a massive tax cut for the top percent of mm-hmm. Missouri and people who make over five hundred thousand dollars a year, and hardly anything for those lower. Um, that is estimated to hit us about eight hundred million when it's fully. Um, in, in effect, that happened during session and was overridden by one vote mm-hmm. in the House. Right, and we that, know who it was. <laughs> yes, yes, and that ha- and that has clouded you know the whole thing because if you if you're the governor and you're anticipating that to happen, and then you see these other things happen, yeah, um, that's why There's he a only vetoed these bills, but also vetoed many things in the budget. Many very worthwhile things in the budget. Right. Do you know how many? Sorry, I'm asking so many questions. Um, do you know how many people benefit from the tax cut? That I mean, people. Yeah, like how many wealthy people fall into that you category? Know, I, I don't know what it is. It's something. It's something around, you know, a half a percent of the Missourians. See, so it's. It, I don't know it's exactly not even what the number is. Justifiable then. I just was wondering. No, it, it, it's complete. Not Completely justifiable. Right. Um, the governor vetoed a similar measure last year. Luckily, it wasn't over over. Ridden, overroaded, overrode. I don't know. I'll consult with my English Overrided. Anyway, um, <laughs> the grammar not freaking out. It didn't become. It didn't become law, and so they tried again, and it did. I see by one vote in the house. I see. Okay, well, I guess I could continue reading here. Yeah. Uh, Republican leaders. Reporting. Reporting. Here I I report. Yeah. Republican leaders also intend to seek overrides of many of the 160 separate line item vetoes Nixon made to cut $275.75 million in spending authority from the fiscal year 2015 state budget and bring it into balance. Because the governor's constitutional authority to maintain a balanced budget is vast, overriding line item vetoes doesn't guarantee the money for those programs will be spent. In the event of budget overrides, Nixon has the power to formally withhold the spending, or in many cases, he can simply instruct his subordinates to not spend a particular appropriation. So let me give you an example of what one of those are. $1.3 million for the Missouri State Highway Patrol to have a, a crime lab in Independence, Missouri, uh, closing the Independence Crime Lab, actually him taking it over, mm-hmm. pardon me, mm-hmm. which would help um, not only the 11th Senatorial District in my city, 
but northwest Missouri. Sure. And so we wouldn't have backlogs when it comes to crime cases. That's $1.3 million. I think it's absolutely ridiculous the governor vetoed that. That's a measure that um, I know he's concerned about new projects in a budget that's tight, but that is something that would have saved money because what's going to happen is that the Independence Police Department is not going to be able to do that in the future. It's going to go down to Springfield, Joplin, or mm-hmm. Jefferson City where the other um, Missouri State Highway Patrol crime labs are now exist. So this would this would have been one of those investments that in the long run would have saved us money. Um, he didn't look through that enough. <laughs> um, he vetoed 160 things that were new to the budget. Um, I think that's short sighted. Um, it'll be interesting to see what we do when it comes to um, do we go through all these as a legislature or not. Um, you know, I, I'm going to look closely at them again. You know, we need sound tax policy. I, was it a couple of weeks ago? I just kept going back and forth that the problem we have in our state is sound tax policy. It affects our schools, our roads. Right. It's why we um, didn't pass uh, improvement to roads because people don't think we have sound tax policy. It's it's the real problem what we have in our state. And um, vetoing something that could help save us money in the long term is also not sound tax policy. Well, and it's not an investment. He's not right. making investments where right. they need to be made right. where there are problems. And I understand being worried about the money coming in and not wanting to do anything new. So I get the point. I would like to dig down a little, little bit deeper to see the benefits of it. Okay, good. Other high-profile vetoed bills that could come up include two similar omnibus agriculture bills that Nixon vetoed <coughs> due to provisions in each that would transfer regulation of captive deer herds from the State Department of Conservation to the Department of Agriculture, a move opposed by wildlife conservation groups. Let, let me dive into this one, too, because I am. this is an issue that, quite frankly, I didn't know how much it would actually affect uh, my area. Um, it's more suburban. Um, although there are some rural areas and there are certainly some sportsmen in the area. But um, this is an issue that I support. That is transferring captive deer to the supervision of the um, Department of Agriculture. And the reason, I think, is because I've said it on this program before, is I think that the Department of Agriculture should be in charge of animals and other things that are food. They shouldn't be in charge of dogs. Dogs are different. But they should be in charge of deer that are raised for um, eating. Mm-hmm. Um, the Department of Conservation has been against this idea. They um, testified that they were against it. Then, once it passed, they put in new rules to claim they were going to solve the problem we have with chronic waste disease. Mm-hmm. The problem, we don't have a problem with cro- chronic waste oh. disease. And the only time that we ever had it in the state of Missouri was under the supervision of the Department of Conservation. So instead of dealing with that issue, I am getting emails generated by um, bureaucrats in the Department of Conservation telling people to email me, mm-hmm. meaning that wow. you, you pay their tax money, wow. you pay them, and then they campaign. That's things. not good. That says... Um, let me let me get to the language here. They're all form letters, right? Mm-hmm. Um, sure. I I urge you to vote no on the veto override of Senate Bill 506. This dangerous legislation would remove the Department of Conservation's authority over captive deer, elk, and cervids, 
which, by the way, they don't have authority over elk as of today. The <laughs> Department of Agriculture does. Wow. And reclassify these these wildlife species as livestock, which is also not true. So in the first sentence, there's not true. We're not reclassifying deer as livestock. There's going to be deer that are raised for delicious food <laughs> that are livestock and deer that are in the wild for sportsmen and um our environment that are not livestock. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't understand why it's so different. Um, so then, would the Department of Conservation be over the wild deer? Absolutely, for instance? I they see. Sh- absolutely, okay. as they are over wild elk. And then there's not a lot of wild elk. They've been transported to our, our. Um, I see our yeah. area, but um, as they grow in population, <clears throat> they certainly are in charge of that. Yes. Um, the okay. The ability of the Missouri Department of Conservation to regulate facilities is essential to protecting the, the state's free-ranging wildlife. The uh, MDC has has been dealt the task of managing chronic waste disease and is the agency equipped to do so. Well, guess what? Cows, elk, um, other livestock have disease that the right. Department of Agriculture is equipped to do. Yes, and handle. And handle and do that. The, yeah. the state... Um, Veterinarian is under the Department of Agriculture. I mean, this is just scare tactics on on behalf of a department who doesn't want to lose a little bit of their power. Yeah, that's and unfortunately, um, as we have it set up in our state, where they're an independent um, commission that gets money directly from um, their fees, and they get to decide some things. And it goes through appropriation, but we really can't tinker with it per constitution. Mm-hmm. Um, the governor felt it was more important to give them the power than the legislature the power, and I think that's wrong. And I think we should have a clear distinction that says that the Department of Agriculture is in charge of food. Now, next story, I guess, okay. because I'm <laughs> I, I worked up about this mostly I because hear it. that's good. You know, I, <clears throat> well, I don't know. It, it it does affect a lot of different other areas in the state more than my area, but the fact that this Department of Conservation is not telling the truth, yes, it, it's really frustrating to me. Yeah. And it, that they're campaigning using their can, office. That's right. That is really frustrating to me as opposed to telling people the facts. And, and you could have an intellectual argument that says um, we should, they shouldn't raise deer for food. Mm-hmm. I mean, you but could have that argument, but discussed. that's not what we're talking about. Yes. Yeah. Well, there's another okay. bill as well. Okay, I'm going to calm down. Now. Okay. All right. Um, now, the- let me ask you this. These cameras, <laughs> do they see my red face? Uh, okay. I don't know. We'll, okay. we'll have to figure something out. Okay. Um, we'll have to do makeup next time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Another um, another bill would authorize designated teachers to carry concealed weapons in the classroom and keeps the identities of armed teachers secret from parents, students, and the public. Mm. What do you think about that? Well, I supported this bill because um, the the measure allows the school boards to decide if the teachers can have it. And the fact that it says keeps the identity of armed teachers secret from parents, I don't think that's the truth. I think they have to report to the school board, and the school board gets gets to decide how they handle that's that. That's the way I read the bill, too. Yeah, what you're okay, saying. Okay, okay. So, so I don't know where this came from because that's interesting to me. That was, That's new to me well, in regard to this. Well, I guess maybe – I guess maybe as the language says, the school board could keep it secret. I see. Okay. You so know it's what I mean? not that that's written into the bill, that they are meant to keep we it We give the power to the school board to do that. Which I think is better. I I, I support that. Um, I got some, well, 
we, we've already derailed on all these other issues. But I got these <laughs> these things on Twitter. These people um, oh, the demanding people. me demanding to know where I am on this issue. Oh. That's where I am. If it, hopefully listen to dialogue and you'll know more. Mm-hmm. And then they're not in my district. Right. They're from a PR firm. Yeah. Out of St. Louis, and to me, it's frustrating because we have a culture in our state of guns, guns, guns. We have a, a measure that tried to, uh, well, we passed it, that said um, it's a constitutional right to bear arms even though we already had it through the U.S. Right. Constitution. Right, You know what I mean? Yes. And we have all these ridiculous gun things, and um, instead of looking at a measure and understanding that we want to protect our first, our Second Amendment rights, mm-hmm. we just, oh, it's a gun, I'm against it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I am more on their side than not. Well, you know, I don't want to. And this I, isn't even really a gun issue because the way you are looking at it is it. that you want there to be more local control yes. over in regard to the decisions that are made right. in that aspect. And uh, that's what I feel is right. Yeah. And, you know, the the right answer is that you have proper school board members. And I, and I wonder how it is at your school district. We have great school board members. We have school board members who figure out a way to fund resource officers in this school. Mm-hmm. Those are trained professionals. So they're not going to allow a teacher to have a gun. They don't need to. They're they, not they going to. They feel like they've already they, got it covered. They figured out a way. Um, unfortunately, not a complete foolproof way to keep our kids safe all right. the time, but a way that they can deal with this issue. Does your, does your school yes. district have resource officers? I, I'm not certain i'm trying to remember if when i was there they had them or not i can't remember it was too long ago. yeah but um but when you take your daughter in is there no there's not <laughs> but i will say that they and definitely after sandy hook you know the situation right. there our um and this is excelsior springs our local school district does a wonderful job of working with our local police department in making sure that our buildings are secure and, you know, there's a push button before you have to go through. Right. They have to approve you. They know who we are. Mm-hmm. We're a small enough community that they know the parents, you right. know. And so that's a benefit. And I feel safe with my mm-hmm. child going to school there. And I always felt safe yeah. as a student there. And after Columbine, because I was in high school when that happened, you know, they, they started taking some of these safety measures and talking about them the same way. And I remember at one point we had a um, had to walk through a – a gate, a security mm. gate, you know, but that's not there now. And I think that's good. We well, have to have a level of trust. Right. It, and at the risk of talking on both sides of my mouth, <laughs> I don't know of a school district who wants, actually wants this. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but with that said, I think if there's a, a large enough people in the state who say they want this, their local school board to have the task to make them feel safe, yeah. I'm going to be okay with that. I agree. So, I don't know. That's good. Okay, well. I, yeah, that's 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 off the traditional Democrat, Republican side, sense. but that's kind of where I am on that. So. Yeah, it doesn't, nothing has to be black and white. Yeah. Um, well, just to kind of put into perspective where we're sitting in our legislature right that, now. Would you? Yeah, I think I will. The Republicans currently outnumber Democrats 23 to 9 in the Senate. Ouch. Yes, and 110 to 52 in the House. So last year's lawmakers override Nixon on nine bills and one budget line item for the second most veto overrides in a single year in state history and the most since 1833 when lawmakers overrode Governor Daniel Dunklin on 12 bills. Yeah, and... So they didn't get quite there, but they were really pushing it. Dunklin 
you got a raw deal on that one. But yeah. um, as you know, yeah. as we all know about Daniel Duncan. But uh, the, the, the veto, uh, I He's guess, like record. He's like Dunkin' Donuts, right? He started yeah. that? Oh, that's Aren't a, they hey, could you bring some donuts in here? Ooh. That sounds good. Yeah. Thanks, sounds- Chris. Um, <laughs> so there's, there's 35. 35 is the record number of vetoes. Mm-hmm. And... Governor Nixon did 33, except he had 160 budget line. I think he, I think you, you got to give him the record. I think you do. You know, you got to take that into consideration. I mean, right? There's going to be that asterisk there, you know, you know, kind of a uh, <laughs> Barry Bonds type thing. But the point is, he, he he's vetoed. He had a lot. Who I can have a visual element. He had a lot of ink in his pen. And, he really did, and used it. Well, it's good that he has ink. It would just be nice if he had votes then to help back him up. Right. That's right. Well, the net state revenue is up 4.3% so far in fiscal year 2015. So here's some good news. The net state uh, general revenue collections for the first two months of the 2015 fiscal year were up 4.3% compared to the same period in 2014, going from $1.15 billion last year to $1.2 billion this year. Net general revenue collections for August 2014 increased by 2.7% compared to those for August 2013, going from $667.2 million to $685.4 million. So that's good news. As, as we did, we, you, there's, uh, the net state revenue is up 4.3%. The budget wasn't built on 4.3%. It was, a little, it was less than that, so that's good. Yes. Not a lot less, but yeah. um, at least... You know, There's back back to the idea back to the idea of the veto session and the and the bad tax policy that we have. If we had sound tax policy, we're right on track where we need to be. Mm-hmm. If we had better tax policy, we would be able to grow some more revenues, fix the school, help with the schools, fix the roads, and those uh, those other things. But um, anyway, that's that's better news than not. I'd like to say, if you guys want to write this down, oh. Um, the glass is half full. It's not half empty. Glass is half full. I like that. Mm. I like that. That might yeah. catch on. I hope so. The U.S. Department of Justice will launch a broad civil rights investigation of the Ferguson Police Department to explore allegations of excessive force and racial profiling by its officers in recent years, the Washington Post reported on September 3rd. The Ferguson Police Department is nearly all white, while the city's population is about two-thirds black. The investigation will be separate from another federal probe already underway examining the August 9th shooting of an unarmed black teen, Michael Brown, by white Ferguson police officer Darren Wilson. The shooting sparked weeks of protests, looting, and acts of violence by both police and protesters. The situation in Ferguson, a North St. Louis County suburb, has slowly been returning to normal, and on September 3rd, Governor Jay Nixon lifted the state of emergency for the area he had declared on August 16th. I appreciate this report. I wasn't aware of this Ferguson thing. I didn't know. You didn't know what was going on? Uh-uh. Oh, man. Yeah, you got you to gotta turn on the TV. I've been watching Big Brother too much. No. <laughs> um, just trying to make light of a terrible situation. But yeah, I am geez. glad. I personally am glad that the Department of Justice is going to investigate. Um, I know there will be some um, strict states' right people who don't want the federal government to come in. But there's, there's time when the f- federal government should come in to investigate things to make sure that people's rights are taken care of. Um, and I'm glad they're there. I am too. You know, the second that they stepped foot into the state, things got better. And I'm really glad that there are productive things that are coming from this. So I'm glad mm-hmm. that there are two investigations going on. That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Nixon appoints Boeing exec to Highways Commission. 
For the second time in less than a year, Governor Jay Nixon on September 3rd appointed Brian Scott, an executive with the Boeing Company in St. Louis, to the Missouri State Highways (coughs) and Transportation Commission, the independent governing authority for the State Department of Transportation. Nixon originally appointed Scott to the commission on October 1st, 2013, and Scott served on the panel for several months. Nixon was forced to withdraw the appointment after the Senate failed to confirm Scott within 30 days of the 2014 legislative session as required by the Missouri Constitution. Scott can again begin serving on the commission immediately, but must receive Senate confirmation by early February to retain his post. If confirmed, he will serve a term ending on March 1st, 2017. I serve on the gubernatorial appointments committee. Um, There wasn't enough support for um, Mr. Scott to serve and get confirmation before. Part of it had to do with, I think, some cooperation with the executive. Um, I don't know if it's a good move to try to reappoint someone that the Senate already said no to. Yeah. I think we're we're deep into those um, those different branches of power and different branches of government really clashing and mm-hmm. um, this will be a very interesting topic coming up and. Mm-hmm as we go through there. Yeah. So. Yeah. Are there just not any other applicants that he could choose from? Um, <laughs> it, it sounds like he just really wants to get this guy in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, right. When it right. comes down to it. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Well, what else is going on? Or were you going to ask me that? Sorry. Have, have you not listened to the show very much? <laughs> when you're done with the news, you know what you're supposed oh, to say. Uh, and that's all for the news. What let me is try, it? Let me try it's Chris's line. I, I just... know, but I, I'll try for you. Please. And that's the news brought to you by the good folks at Liberty Realty. And he does it real condescending. You know, yeah, real, I, it's not good. Like, well, and I really yeah. like the folks so at Liberty again. Realty. Yeah, me too. You know? Try it. So try it. And there's the news brought to you by the good folks at Liberty Realty. Very good. Yes. Very good. So um, the we went through some of these, these vetoes mm-hmm. and... I know there's other things here. Oh, let me. Let me uh, I don't want to get into it too much, but um, I'll go through the Senate bills on the tax bills that. Um, Please do. I want to know about these. <laughs> well, I don't have much of the of the. Oh, of the breakdown of, of, of what the they do. Of the what they do, but there is one particular bill that um, is part of. Well, here's here here's one that is uh, a couple of them that I think you know we were talking about what the number is mm-hmm. and how it affects. Senate Bill 727 was passed. Uh, it modifies provisions relating to the farmers market and SNAP benefits. Mm-hmm. And what that said is that that a farmers market doesn't have to collect Missouri sales tax. Well, when you do that, that clearly would affect local areas. I supported this measure because I think. Farmers market built communities, and it's um, good for local farmers. It's good for local food. Um, it's healthier food usually, right? Um, and it's a good thing. Um, the fiscal note on that is twenty five thousand dollars out of the state a year. And the real reason behind that is that currently you don't really collect sales tax at farmers markets. You, you the Department of Revenue would come in and tell you you probably need to at a certain amount. Mm-hmm. But you've been to them. And but they're not reaching that amount, right, really, so it's right. not of concern. So it, 
What about to, the Kansas City Farmers Market, though? Is it a separate? Um, you know, I, I'm sure it's separate. I'm sure that the farmers in but the stall do di- yeah. different from the shops that are around. I see. Yes. Um, so, um, anyway, I think that it'll be. I think we're going to override that one. Okay. Even though that's part of the ten that say that affects local areas. So it's basically getting rid of state tax, only state tax, not any local. Taxes. No, I think this one does local as well. Oh, so it overrides any local. Yeah, but I mean the question is. Well, how much are the municipalities going to lose? Yeah, from yeah. Well, and how much collecting the are local? they? Are, how much are they actually collecting on that? Well, I don't know. That's <laughs> so, something we need to investigate. So. That was one I'll probably vote to override the veto. Another one that I probably will, um, it's Senate Bill 829. It modifies provisions relating to burden of proof in tax liability cases. Um, as I serve on the um, interim committee for tax policy, um, we've heard testimony from people who simply don't know what taxes they're supposed to pay. Hmm. And the biggest examples we've heard are from dance studios mm-hmm. and fitness places. Hmm. And so, you know, they all go along. One one of the people that testified has been doing this for 40 years. The Department of Revenue comes in, does an audit, and says, you're supposed to be paying this tax since, um, I think it's 2008. Mm-hmm. You haven't been paying it. Mm-hmm. And you owe us thousands of and dollars. And then they owe all this back stuff. Yeah. And they're like, I had no idea I was even supposed to be paying this. And so um, they're in a real bind. So what this bill does says, it says going forward you have to pay it. It really puts the burden of identifying it on the Department of Revenue telling folks what they need to do. Yes, that's There's good. cost of mailings and things like that, of alerting it, but it does get um, – there is some cost in it. But to me, it's only fair. The The one part of testimony – that I heard in St. Louis was a dance studio that got audited, said you're supposed to pay this tax. Then they went to someone else in the Department of Revenue, got a letter that said you don't have to pay the tax. So they were simply saying to the committee, let us know what you want us to do because we'll do it. <laughs> so they're not even really sure of what their policy right. is. That's scary. And what was great about the <laughs> testimony was it didn't become – the ta- the talking points of taxes. It wasn't these taxes are killing my business and you know all this other stuff. It was simply someone saying, "Tell me what to do and I'll yeah, follow the law." Because they're getting kind of slapped in the face with it because they weren't aware then that that was something they should have been paying right. into or they would have. Well, th- is that right? But is it's even what... worse than that. They didn't even know uh, what to do going forward. They're right. not very clear. Oh my gosh! So they just want a solution, yeah, right? They want sure. to know, and, and they were very clear with this. It was a couple own a small business they were like you know you want us to do it we'll do it yeah good for them they figured out how to handle that and i think but not that, everyone can well i just think that is a that is a fundamental fairness that you have to have in tax policy that you have to have the burden of proof on the the department saying you need to pay these taxes and uh, information there because I believe the Missourians are fair, mm-hmm. they want fair taxes, and they're willing to pay their fair share. Sure. Where people get frustrated is when they don't, when they feel like they're paying more than their fair share. Yes. And people are getting away with not paying. Whether it's um, um, poor folk that are getting free things when they just don't want to work. Right. You hear that stereotype all the time. Yes. Or just actually stereotype. more accurate, um, 
companies getting tax credits exactly. that they don't deserve. Um, Agreed. Pe- people want fairness, and yeah. I, I think that bill helps with that. And I'm not sure why, except for the expenses that the department would have, why the governor would would be against that one. Um, the other ones are are um, interesting. There's one in there. There's there's a bill that cuts. Um, sales tax for energy companies producing energy. Mm-hmm. I was against that. That came at the last minute. There was there was one that um, um, talked about data centers, and um, we have been had this conversation even when I was in the House of Representatives on tax incentives to bring data centers right. in, um, and we kind of had agreed upon legislation. Uh, I think it's a good growing business, especially if you look at the 11th Senatorial District where there's lots of caves that are, that are great for data centers. We have our own municipality uh, uh, power plant. I mean, it could really be a boom. They're close to the fiber ring. Close to the fiber ring. All this stuff is really great job creation. The problem with this bill mm-hmm. is that when we passed out of the Senate, the House changed it and then came back over. So... Now there's a, there's an idea that um, any all kinds of different businesses would call themselves a data center. Oh, so they wouldn't actually. There's you have to like be able bank. to define what a data. I right. like to call them data centers. Oh, but I, I, I asked Joe. What the well, data, I know. Right. You know. <clears throat> right. <laughs> so that is the real objection that I voted against that bill because it had so many other things in there too. Um, I, you know that's something you can't clear up in veto session. Yeah. But that's the fear now. This is is so complicated. I, you oh, know, dear. it's just so complicated. Well, it is. Yeah, that's why the we governor. Have a show. The governor is saying it will cost us a lot of money because his theory is that all these different businesses will begin to say they're data centers. I can understand that. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if they will. Hmm. I don't know if your neighborhood bank or credit union will go back and say, "Hey, you know, we're actually we're a data center." I think that's too. Well, what you know what I mean? Is it's it just, defined in the bill what a data center is? Well, I, I, it's defined, uh-huh. but it's such a broad definition that um, I keep going to banks or or any type of business that has that type of data would could say they were, yeah. and you know, I really s- wish we knew like an an Emmy award winning attorney that we could ask. About, Why? Because he would make the language in the well. The, no, the language the the language isn't clear. That's the right, problem. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, and, and when the language isn't clear, there could be different definitions. Mm-hmm. And the governor is using everyone saying that they're a data center as the, his number on why the bill is bad. I see. Does that make sense? Yeah, it absolutely does. And, I, I think that it just needs to be presented a clear definition of yeah. what a data center yeah. is so that there's so, no concern. So I'm going to sustain I'm going to vote to sustain the veto because I would like to see it cleared up. Good for you. Cuz yeah. data centers should or data centers both of them should <laughs> should get that special incentive to grow those businesses as opposed to using it as a tax loop to that's right. to get out of it. That's yeah, right. I agree. Um Oh, there was a uh, there was a bill that I was very much against the whole time, which I'll vote to um, sustain. Which one's that? that? Uh, this is House Bill 1865. It is modifies provisions of law re- relating to sales and use tax exemptions for utilities used for for preparation of food. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let me take a step back. In the in the past, we passed um, where you could get a tax exemption. For manufacturing 
and that tax exemption would be for utilities used for manufacturing. Okay. okay. So now, big some big businesses are coming and saying, "Well, we manufacture things. Mm-hmm. We prepare food." Because and, they provide it for a manufacturer who does. Right. I see. Right. And the biggest example would be um, that testified for it was Casey's General Store because they make pizza. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they believe, hey, you know, you're letting these other manufacturers of products go through. Why wouldn't you let us? Um, in in committee, I said because we didn't we didn't want to give a tax exemption for a guy making a sandwich. We want to make a, a tax exemption for a business that grew, that provided good jobs, and, and rebuild our manufacturing base in the state. Mm-hmm. So um, that bill passed despite my objection, and I'm going to vote. To stick with the governor to, to have it, it not um, become law, because yeah. it's it, it's just too much. I mean, right. then every restaurant can say that, and that would really affect um, the local um, municipalities. Although in the language, we did exempt locals out on that one. Okay, so they would still be yeah, able to because decide I, and I, their. I was part of that conversation, Good. even though I was against the bill. So, anyway, um, I think. It seems to it, me that they're just looking for, you know, opportunities where there are already breaks that have been established in the past that are giving benef- yes. direct benefit to those companies right. that need them and then seeing how they can play off of it in order to make more cuts that's for right. themselves. And that's just as abusive as, you know, those folks that they like to stereotype and say, <laughs> well, they just take the <coughs> the food stamps and buy cigarettes or they, you know, they exactly. try to make that. It's the exact same thing. And, and, and the... I'm, I'm the broken record, but the most frustrating part of it is that we don't look for these tax policies in an overall way. We cut the wealthiest people in the state's taxes, and mm-hmm. then we still want to do this. If we didn't have that, then you could target these tax um, policy to create new jobs. Yeah. Because it happens. It's happened in the past. Right, right. But you can't do both. Yeah. You can't do both. You can't afford everything. And that's... Their focus is wrong. That is what, you know... You know, I talked about the, um, the the crime lab and my frustration, but that's what the governor's trying to communicate. You got to have an overall um, tax policy. That's what he's trying to do, and, and hopefully that conversation gets out in veto session. Coming up next week is veto session. Um, I'm I'll be in Jefferson City Monday for the Health Facilities Review Committee, Tuesday for um, our interim committee on tax policy again. Um, to deal with some of these things, um, uh, meetings and events for retiring senators, because this will be the last hurrah for some of those yeah, folks right. on Tuesday. The video session will be Wednesday. And then, like I mentioned earlier, um, the plan is that we stay Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday at work. Man. So, um, again, usually it starts at noon on a Wednesday, and we're done, I don't know, three or four. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Not this time. So, um it will, it, you know, if if the majority and the floor leader plans that much time, then they have a plan of what they bring up. The way the veto session works is, um, if it's a Senate bill, it'll have to start in the Senate by the sponsor of Senate up say, I, I move to um, override this veto, and then we'll have a discussion, and then we'll have to get to the House, okay. vice versa. Now the does it have to come back through the Senate then? No. No. So once it goes through the Senate and then to the House or vice versa, do the House bills then start in the House? Yes, the House bills start, and so do the appropriations okay. since they're a part of House bills. Sounds like the Senate is going to be busier than the House this time then. See, I, I, what they're targeting. Well, 
I think I think the house will be busier because there is 160 oh, sure. line items. Yes, of course. Right, right, right. Yeah, and so you guys may be there. Tell maybe in December you might need to really pack your bags. Well, constitutionally, <laughs> you can only be there 10 days. Oh, so that's good to know. Good news, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, so um, with 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 the with the partisan breakdown of the Senate. There, there's not a lot of question about what can be overridden or not. Right. The House gets a little bit different. But I've been telling everyone that I don't see this – with all these different issues, it's not going to be a partisan breakdown either. It's going to be a very much of a of, of a community and whatever you think is best for your district breakdown. Okay. Well, that's good. Do you Maybe. feel like everybody is well-intentioned moving into veto? In regard uh, to what they brought up as far as priorities go, because there have been some other bills that I felt are unnecessary for them to spend time on that they plan to. Well, sorry about that. That's all right. You've got a phone call there. But, um, you know, one of the things that may be overrated that we wasn't mentioned is um, that uh, women would have to wait 72 hours to have uh, an abortion. Right. Um House I, Bill 1307. Yes. I, I think it puts the thumb on women. It's a, such a, uh, a, a really terrible message that we send to Missouri women that say they can't make their own decision, um, and they have to wait 72 hours to make that decision. Thank you. And it puts the their, the thumb down on, um, on women's ability to run their own life. Um, I don't know where that's going to come up. I don't mm-hmm. know if that's going to be brought up or not. Um, I know that groups f- forward against it have both. have lobbied. Yeah. but um, In our planning events during veto session, mm-hmm. both Right to Life and uh, the women's organizations you know, who are in support of, uh, of this veto will be there rallying at the Capitol mm-hmm. on Wednesday. And, and I guess I bring that up because I'm, I'm adamantly against that. I will vote to sustain the veto Thank you. Um, for sure. But I guess I'm trying to have, if people, any, if anyone's listening, is to understand this this veto session. There's not a lot of issues like that. It's things like, should we do a farmers market? Mm-hmm. Should this? Then why even bring this, that up, though? I mean, if you've already got all of these other issues that are priority, then the then really to me the only reason that they're bringing it up is to prop themselves up in order to get reelected. And I say that, too, because I know that there were polls that were dropped in specific districts throughout the state that they're looking at and putting money into, asking questions in regard to women's rights before releasing that this was going to be a bill that they were going to discuss. Mm-hmm. So to me, then, it becomes more yeah. political than it does for it, what's best That overall. whole issue, I mean, the whole bill is, was political. Right. I mean, it was political from the beginning That's when right. we filibustered it. It's political from the beginning. And it's wrong. It is an insult to women, it and it's wrong for them to It is completely an insult, and... And I thank you for standing up for our rights always and being a voice for us when we don't have it. I appreciate that, and I would really like for women to go vote more. Agreed. And um, we're going to have we have we're going to have an election in um, November, and that should be an issue that people care about and draws you to the to the polls. Do you think that individuals should be able to make their own decisions or not? And I think it's even different. I mean, this talk about opening up the Pandora's box. Then your typical right to life or pro-life, anti-choice, whatever discussion. I mean, yeah. this is just making someone sit there for 72 hours right. 
to have the same decision that they were going to have before. Right. This isn't helping or saving anybody. Um, if a woman doesn't want to wait that long, they'll go across state lines and and have that procedure done. This is simply a political thing to make it look like you're trying to help. Like they're trying the, to save the a life. unborn, and they're not doing anything. They are doing and nothing. And that's right. pathetic. It is. That's pathetic. And they do and nothing what, once the child is here to make sure that they're right. taking and care of And I don't of. want to get into this too much. I don't either. But um, because... Wait, I do. <laughs> well, I know, but see, it's just... <laughs> I we, know. We get, we get into these issues, and I don't want to fall into the trap that the sponsors of this bill did to make this... Yeah, I agree. You know what I mean? But I think it's but, important but I, to draw attention to what it is that their motivation is right. because that's wrong. But here's okay, and, and I'll have one other thing okay. about the motivation. Okay. If you want to reduce abortions, then you clearly have Medicaid expansion in the state of Missouri. Thank you. Pennsylvania did it. It was the 27th state. We could be the 28th. That allows for health care for families. That allows the ability to take care of children. And that's how you do it. Agreed. That's how you do it. I agree. And this is all, all this other stuff is political stuff that insults me. It's insulting. And, and if you care about that issue, if you come from a sincere point of view that says, I want to do everything I can to reduce abortions, then you should say, Senators, representatives, don't do things like this. Right. Please. Past Medicaid expansion. And work toward the solutions that are being presented. Instead, it's just no, but we're also not going to offer any kind right. of solutions, and that's not right. Well, okay. Now, have I gotten mad about every single issue today? Yeah, because that's why we're doing this. We're passionate about it. It's a good <laughs> thing. I'm glad you get mad. Well, again, like I, like I mentioned, it, it's a veto session next week. I, I'm not sure how we're going to do this this program. Yeah, I think we should do it down there. Um, well, I don't know where you and Chris will be. I'll, I'll be there for two days. Okay. I think Chris needs to come down, too. I I would love to have you join there and Chris be there, and we could do the program live. As we did the program from the side gallery, that yeah. was crazy. That was good. I liked it. So, <laughs> um, so that's really, I mean, I look forward to talking to you again on the Dialogue program. Thanks. Um, and thank you, Courtney. You did a great job. Thank you. It's almost like Chris wasn't here, and that worked out good. <laughs> and... Um, so we'll see you next time. You got anything else to add? Nothing. It was a great show. 